everybody, I'm Beth Davis and welcome to Teachable Tuesday. Every Tuesday, we discover God's heart in His Word and apply it to our lives. And we're gonna do a lot of that today, comparing and contrasting some scripture. We're gonna talk about trust. We're gonna talk about wanting to know the answer. So if you're in a place where you would like some more information from the Lord, join me today in God's Word. <laughs> Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Breath of life, giver of life. Come and breathe in us. Give us new life in your presence. God, I um, ask in a particular way that you would just let us even start over today. Every time you come, God, you refresh us. Uh, and I uh, just feel that desire in my heart, God, that you want to um, let us start again today. We can begin again with you every moment of every day. So we say, yes, God, we want to start over with you. We welcome you. We give you first place in our hearts, Lord. Help us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when I was a kid, I remember uh, one day, randomly, I'm walking through the mall with my sister, and we went in this little shop, and she bought a Magic 8 ball. I don't know if you remember that from when you were a kid, that little uh, pool ball that you would kind of shake up. You're like, Beth, I, I know what a Magic 8 ball is. And you turn it over, and you get answers to all of your most pressing questions. I remember even as a kid having kind of a, a weird attraction to it, and at the same time, kind of a, a revulsion, like this doesn't feel right that I can just get the answers from a magic eight ball, right? There was kind of a, a reverence there. And I think looking back, there was maybe a little bit of discernment going on in my heart that I knew that I was looking for an answer somewhere that Ultimately, I wasn't going to find the real answer, and I was tempted to put my faith in that magic eight ball. Now, that's with my 38-year-old knowledge looking back on that childlike pursuit of knowledge. But I think, actually, that's a pretty common temptation, and it comes out in the world in a lot of different ways, some obvious ways, like pursuing knowledge from uh, these kinds of sources, like a magic eight ball, or horoscopes, a Ouija board, or tarot cards. They might have even been presented to you, even at an early age, as something fun, something harmless, and it's kind of appealing, isn't it, to have the answers right there at your fingertips. The scary thing about seeking answers there is that sometimes we, we do find out information, we do get those answers that we're looking for, but the source of them is not of God. And we open up uh, uh, some scary things there. We make ourselves susceptible to darker powers, to really the enemy's influence in our lives. So we know, thanks to the church cautioning us to stay away from those kinds of pursuits, that uh, that's not where we're gonna find the answers. And this is just an aside, if this is something that's been a part of your life, I urge you, bring it to the sacrament of confession. Let's just bring uh, any darkness out into the light because I, I want you to seek knowledge in the right way from the right source and break any chains that you may have 
even uh, come into contact with as a child. So those are some more obvious ways, uh, some maybe more negative ways that we seek knowledge in the world or that you might see people seeking to know answers in the world. But we do this in more harmless and even positive ways, right? We turn to friends, we talk to friends, we get advice from our parents, or we go to therapy and we wanna kinda of talk through things. We're trying to find out the answers. We look to self-help books or to blogs, even to Catholic sources, right? If I could just get some perspective, if I could just get some understanding, then I would know what to do. Then if I could find someone who has a similar situation, I, I would be able to anticipate what's gonna happen next. We can kind of put all of our, our, all of our eggs in that basket, in other people's basket, to help us get those answers that we're longing for, to kind of quell that anxious striving, that anxiety to know. But if you're anything like me, I've even taken some of that anxious striving into prayer. And that's a good place to take that desire. It's a good place to take that a quest for knowledge, right? It's to the one with answers, to the source of all knowledge, to bring all of those desires, all of those questions into prayer. But for me, there are times I can even become preoccupied in prayer, trying to figure something out. I can start spinning. That's kind of my interior experience of trying to figure out, trying to grasp on and find an answer and just have some perspective so I can calm down, so I can know what to expect, so I can understand. And again, these are beautiful desires. And of course the Lord understands that desire to know, that desire for understanding and perspective. But if you're anything like me and you've become preoccupied with understanding, or if you've uh, even in this season or looking back, you can see how you were preoccupied with discernment, preoccupied with figuring out God's will. I want to talk to you today. And I think scripture has something to say to us that when we, uh, when we take that desire for knowledge, when we take that quest for understanding to other powers, other people, even to prayer, sometimes things can get a little wonky and that's certainly what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 28. I've been obsessed with 1 Samuel. Can't recommend this book enough. I don't know that I'd ever read it from beginning to end, read it as it was intended as a narrative. Now 1 Samuel isn't a book where you know you're going to be moved by a particular verse or ponder a word. Maybe you will. Maybe you're holier than I am. But for me, the experience of reading and praying with 1 Samuel means that I come to know a character, his story, uh, his motivations. I begin to see with kind of a bird's eye view, God's hand in his life. And it's easy from this place to look at characters in 1 Samuel or in the Bible and to think, oh no, don't do that. <laughs> what are you doing? Why would you do that? But it's always better, I think, to relate than to judge. And I saw a lot of myself in Saul, the first king anointed by the prophet Samuel, chosen by God. And God poured out his spirit on Saul. But from the very beginning, his uh, kingship was a disaster. 
Saul was so preoccupied with finding out the answer, doing the right thing, but that pursuit wasn't always after God's heart, God's will, God's plan, God's timing. It was always on Saul's own time. It was many times driven from this motivation to please the people. He had a lot of fear of the people. Well, if I listen to God, if I seek God, is that what the people want? Well, newsflash Saul, the people don't know what they want. They think they want a king and the Lord is telling them, no, you want me. You want me to be your king. A king's going to make your life miserable. Here's a good place to relate. <laughs> a good place to relate because don't you and I oftentimes want someone else to tell us what to do instead of waiting on the Lord, instead of letting the Lord be the king of our lives. Unpause. That was, that was a brief aside, but I just get so fired up about 1 Samuel. Okay, so Saul is going through this routine again and again. You would think he would learn. Here I, get, here I go again, relating to Saul. Again and again, he seeks out these other ways of knowing. He seeks out other people's advice. He seeks out uh, even uh, this knowledge that comes from darker powers. So Saul, in 1 Samuel 28, goes to visit a medium. And I'm not going to read you that whole chapter. I would highly recommend the whole book of 1 Samuel. Uh, but you could even read just 1 Samuel chapter 28 and see this interaction. So previously as king, under God's direction, Saul had outlawed, he had banished mediums. But now he's desperate. Things are falling apart. He needs answers. He's praying, the Lord's not speaking. He can't get a clear answer from other people. Have you been there before? And so Saul goes against the Lord and goes against even his own conscience his own discernment in the past, he goes past it and visits a medium. And get this, he wants to call up the prophet Samuel. He wants Samuel to come, who's already died, and to be uh, the intermediary, to be a middleman here. And Samuel actually comes because there are powers. That, uh, these things are real, and that's why we want to stay away from them. That's why we want to stay uh, connected to the heart of God to have a pure heart seeking to know God, not seeking after answers by any means possible. And so what happens? Saul, in his desperate quest to know, calls up Samuel, and actually Samuel tells him that he's going to die because of his flagrant disobedience to God. God's protection leaves, Samuel, uh, leaves Saul. And so I wanna contrast this crazy story in 1 Samuel chapter 28 with a verse, with God's very uh, word, his direction to us about this quest to know, about our desire for answers, for understanding. I want you to flip in your Bible today to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. The author says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Now, at first glance, this verse seems to be all about the answers, right? Okay, trust in the Lord, like looking for a formula. If I trust in the Lord, if I don't rely on my own insight, if I don't lean on my own understanding, then he'll make my path straight. If I just acknowledge him, then 
He'll make my paths straight. We can even kind of bring a controlling attitude to this scripture. But what I want to highlight for you today is a different kind of knowledge. Rather than seeking after the right answer, rather than trying to figure it out, rather than trying to control even God, what if instead of pursuing the knowledge of the thing, the answer that we want, what if instead we pursued the heart of God? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How can we possibly trust someone that we don't know? I think this is the answer to our real question, to our deepest question. Is God trustworthy? Does he want the best for me? Does God have a good plan for my life? Is he thinking about me, looking at me? If I'm not actively making things happen, will they still happen for me? And the answer is yes, because we know who God is. We, we know his heart revealed by Jesus Christ, revealed in the word. And that's why rather than driving after the answers, Rather than allowing this anxious striving to dictate even our prayer, let's instead pursue the heart of God, the knowledge of the heart of God, his character, his nature. Let's pursue him instead of his hand, instead of only what he can do for us or give us. Pursue God's heart, the knowledge of God's heart, rather than pursue the answers. Relationship uh, is the answer to this anxious striving, coming to know the heart of God in prayer. To a point, you can't even learn it from me. Please, God, I hope that um, these words and this teaching begins to open your heart, to to soften and break up uh, the soil of your heart so that the seed of God's word might be planted there and that what, what will grow up and bloom is this intimate, beautiful, life-giving relationship with God. But I can't give that to you. I can't, I, can't, um, intu- I can't give you this knowledge by osmosis that God's heart is trustworthy, that he loves you, that he's a good father. No, I want you to experience it in prayer. So relationship with God in prayer is the answer to the anxious striving. And guess what? Guess what? <laughs> we get... All of the answers according to God's heart, according to what God knows best for us, he makes the path straight. We don't have to worry about the path anymore. He makes the path straight. It's only our job to pursue the knowledge of the heart of God. And this has changed everything for me in prayer. Uh, About a year ago, um, when the lockdowns kind of lifted and uh, we were all just struggling and, well, they lifted here in Arizona. Um, we were all kind of struggling with the churches being closed and uh, missing community and missing especially communal prayer. And so I remember we, we got together one night, just a small group of us, and began to worship. And when we got together, we had this conversation and said, what are we praying about exactly? What's the point of this? Why did we all come here? And we agreed that we just wanted to be with the Lord and with each other. And we began to talk about our prayer in this particular way. We began to call it agendaless prayer. 
It was so freeing. There was no pressure to figure anything out, to get perspective on the lockdown or coronavirus or what was happening in the world, even what was happening in our own families or cities, even our own hearts. No, we were, we were just there to be available to the Lord in prayer, to open ourselves up to who he is and to what he wants to say, if he wants to speak at all. Many times he wants to just come with his presence, which is enough. His presence is peace. His presence is love. We don't need answers, we need him. You need him, I need him. And that might even help you to reframe quiet in prayer. So, much, so many times I caused myself pain, getting frustrated and grasping and accusing God. Why aren't you speaking? Why aren't you helping me? Why won't you show me the answer? I'm here, God. Why won't, why won't you lead me? I want to be led. But I missed the invitation to this knowledge of the heart of God, that he was simply looking at me, loving me, that I could just be in his presence. I didn't have to work hard or, or make a plan or apologize for my faults that I could just be. And in that being, I was simply loved. It's from that relationship, from receiving the heart of God, knowing the heart of God, allowing God to know our hearts, that all else will flow out. Everything that we're seeking comes from relationship. It's all bonus. It's all just icing on the cake. But if we seek the icing alone, we're gonna get a bellyache, aren't we? <laughs> if we're just going after the answers, we're gonna miss the best part. We're gonna miss the heart of God. So today, I wanna encourage you, maybe even for the whole week, to just write in your planner. Put a post-it note on your fridge. Uh, put it next to your bed. Just the word agendaless. I wanna give you the freedom today to enter into prayer agendaless, to just be with God. And if there's something on your heart you wanna to talk to him about, talk to him. If there's a question, ask it. But know that the point of this encounter, and that's what prayer is, it's an encounter between uh, two living persons, you and God. This encounter is about love, it's about relationship. It's not about the answers. Agendaless, that's our goal this week. Amen? Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we open our hearts, our hands, our minds, our ears. God, we are open. We just want to be with you. We want to receive you. We know that right now, God, we are in your presence because you never leave us. You're always with us. But grant us the grace to be open to your ever presence with us. Help us to come to you, not out of a desire to know, to leave our anxious striving in your presence, to trust that you are everything that we need. You are all that we need. And you're a good father. You take care of us. God, would you plant that faith deep in our hearts today? 
that you're a good father, that you take care of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's taking care of you, friend. God bless you. See you next week. Bye.